Uh, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be here. And we have just had a, a beautiful week in getting to know many of you and looking forward to getting to know more of your uh, stories in uh, this afternoon as we have a chance to just talk a little bit more. I'd love to connect socially distanced with you later. I just want to, before we get into the word today, just say a word of gratitude to you as a church. I'm really grateful to our search team, and I know many of you know that they have just served you so diligently over these years, and uh, I'm just grateful for their prayerfulness, their uh, love for you as a congregation. For the lead team, it's been great getting to know Tim and to begin to connect with those leaders. And I, I'm just so grateful for the staff team, and I, I know you've just been blessed as they have served you well over transition. It's a hard season for staff. And also, we'll just throw in a global pandemic and have to reimagine church in that season. They have done a masterful job, so I'm grateful uh, for them. And because, yeah, let's give them a hand. And because of that, I've been able to worship with you for the last couple of months, too. So I've got to know some of your stories through uh, the various interviews And it's great to finally be with you in person. And just finally, just grateful to you as a congregation. Transitions are hard seasons. It's a season of grief, of loss, of what was. And also this anxiety of what's coming. Who is this new pastor going to be? Am I going to like him or her? Is this going to work for me? And so thank you for your faithfulness as you have uh, just been in mission. And I have just seen a church that has not just stepped back to wait, but has been continuing in mission over these last couple of years. And so bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness. When I was thinking about what to share of all the texts, what, what text to, to speak on for this Sunday, I wanted to bring you in on some conversations that I've been having with leadership and search team and uh, around particularly this idea of what would it look like for us to continue to grow into a healthy missional church. I know that's some of the language that we've uh, been using here at BCC. And so I wanted to kind of draw you in on some of the ideas, some of the, the hopes and longings we've been talking about at a leadership level so you can kind of hear a little bit about my heart and some of the things that I've been hearing from you in terms of just this longing for us as we seek to, to grow as the church. And uh, the text that I'd like to anchor our conversation around today is in John 20. And if you have a smartphone or a Bible, if you'd like to follow along, we're going to look at John 20 and we're going to look at verses 19 to 23, a really powerful narrative, powerful text. And um, we don't have PowerPoint, we don't have an outline, but this is going to be our outline today. So you might even want to just hold uh, this text before you. We're going to follow this story and hopefully be able to weave our story into this story and uh, have God meet us in this text today. So John 20, and I'm going to read 19 through 23. And so let's listen in to God's word together today. And so we read, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he said, uh, he said this, he showed them his hands inside and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So I invite you to join me in prayer 
as we just want to stand under this word now together and, and listen to the Lord. So let us pray together. Lord, I, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, for those here, for those watching online, scattered amongst the community, that, that would, they would be pleasing to you. Lord, in this time, we do pray that you would be lifted up, that uh, I might actually decrease more and you might increase more for what we need to hear, Lord, is from you and from your word. So I pray that just as you met these disciples and spoke a word of hope to them, a word of peace, that that word might actually speak to our hearts today now as we come under your word. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, there's a was a man named Carlos Valles, and he was a Jesuit missionary who worked in India. And he tells a fascinating story about an experience he had while he was biking through the Indian countryside one day. And so as he was biking, he noticed on a tree just in front of him, there was a bird that was completely frozen, paralyzed. And it was this odd-looking scene that compelled him to go and look further And he got off his bike, and as he stood there, he noticed, along with this bird that was just completely frozen, that there was an eerie stillness in the air, and there was no sound, there were no birds chirping around. And he was wondering, what was going on in this scene? Well, he soon discovered, as he looked down, the source of this odd experience. For on the ground, there was a cobra snake that was rised up, staring directly at the bird. And the bird was caught in the gaze of the snake, just completely paralyzed in fear. And so Carlos Valles wondered if he could change the scene. And so he began to stir his arms and make noise to see if he could kind of stir the bird awake. And slowly the the snake slinked back and the bird found its wings again. And it was as if life just entered back into the scene. Valles reflects on this experience and just sees in this a metaphor for the power that fear has in our experience. That fear often has this capacity to paralyze us, to block us off from life. And it also has the power for us to lose perspective, to lose the bigger picture, the the freedom or the hope that lies beyond the fear. And as we tell this text, we encounter a scene where people are caught in a place of fear. And as we tell this story today, I want to give us some space to name some of the the fears that perhaps cause us to be paralyzed, blocked off from the life that God is inviting us to. And as we tell a story, I believe that it has the power to really stir us awake to a bigger picture, a bigger picture of hope and freedom that lies beyond our circumstances and our fear. And so this narrative begins with the disciples locked away in fear. They have just encountered a very traumatic experience of Jesus' death, and it says they are are locked away, the door is locked, for fear of the religious leaders. And as we understand the bigger context of the story, we can begin to imagine what some of those fears might have been for them. I, I imagine part of the fear is just the fear of their own sense of failure and inadequacy. In this time where they were called to stand with Jesus, they fled out of fear. And I'm wondering if part of what's causing them to be locked away in this room is is just this recognition and this fear of their inadequacy. Am I up to the task? Can I do this? I wasn't able to withstand the pressure. I'm wondering if they were just even haunted by the fear of their own failures and inadequacies. 
But then along with that, the text says that there's this very specific fear of what lies outside these walls, a fear of what the religious leaders might do to them, a fear of discomfort, a fear of pain, a, a fear of maybe encountering the same fate that Jesus himself had just encountered. And as we tell the story, I'm just wondering, friends, what some of the fears are that cause you to sometimes be locked away. Tony Campolo is a well-known sociologist, and he has this observation. Uh, he did a study where he interviewed people who were on their deathbed or close to death and asked them this question, if you could do life differently, what would you do? And one of the top answers that everyone said is they said they wish they had have risked more. As they look back and trace their life, they, risk, they wish that they wouldn't have let fear hold them back from stepping into a more fuller life or to, to following that sense of calling on their life. Friends, our common human experience, I think, is to be like these disciples, that fear tends to hold us back, to paralyze us. We, too, at times, are caught in the gaze of the snake. And so I'm just, I'm just wondering what some of those fears are. Maybe we can just put those out on the table and kind of trace them in our experience today. For some of us, I wonder if there's that fear of inadequacy or failure. The fear of the unknown. I, I think of the graduates who, it was great to hear some of your stories, those stepping into this new chapter, just the fear of what's, what await. Am I up to the task? What's college going to be like? Right? And I wonder about this specific fear named in our text, about the fear of pain or discomfort. A lot of the important things in life often cause us to face uncomfortable situations. It causes to stretch us and to take on challenges. And I just want to say that I, I am standing with you in that. I, I'm in this shared common experience with you. And please know that as I preach, I am preaching to myself with you. I'm standing with you under this text. For I very much know that, that reflex of my own life to maybe want to flee the discomfortable, the uncomfortable situations. I had a, a, an experience even just a couple months ago. and I was walking home. And I just finished preaching, and we had live-streamed our service. And as I was walking, I encountered a man who was lying completely flat down on someone's yard adjacent to the sidewalk. And as I walked past him, I just said, hey, are you okay, sir? And he didn't open his eyes, but he started barking at me. And I thought to myself, this is not a situation that I want to get involved in. <laughs> and I, I was fear, feeling the draw to the comfort of my own home. To be perfectly honest, I wanted to go home and watch Netflix and make a plate of nachos. Just the, the draw of the comfort and the safety of our four walls. And so I proceeded to, to keep walking. And about 10 yards later, it was as if the Holy Spirit started tapping me on my shoulder and saying, Phil, does this remind you of... Uh, a story you've read in scripture anywhere. And, and I said, no, I don't think so. And I just kept walking. And I walked another 10 yards and, and that little tap of the spear on my shoulder, let me get more specific, Phil. Does this remind you of a parable that you have read about a man lying on a road and a priest that walks by? <laughs> and, and, and I realized that there's this moment, this call to step outside of the comfort zone. And so finally, and I regret how long it took me, how many steps I took, I did turn around and was able to engage and just make sure this person had an overdose or was having a mental health crisis, and we had a good conversation. But I noticed in that story my reflex to want to go to the safety of my four walls, 
to avoid the the uncomfortable things, the things that God is placing on our hearts. Mission sometimes calls us into uncomfortable, scary even, places at times. And so I stand with you in that. I'm just wondering what fears the Spirit might want to just reveal in our hearts today and some circumstances that are before us today. But here's the good news and the gospel that I want to proclaim, that into that scene, into the fear, into the paralysis, Jesus enters. Jesus enters. And we see this beautiful moment where it says that Jesus stood in their midst. This Christ-centered moment, this hope that is testified throughout Scripture, that there are no walls too thick or deadbolts too strong that prevent Christ from being with us in our pain and in our fear. He is fulfilling now what he has said in John 14, that I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. I will be with you. This is what David testifies right through the Psalms. You will be a very present help in trouble. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for you are with me. And friends, I just want to declare that good news for us, that God is a God who is with us in our fear. He is present with us. It's been a gift to hear some of your testimonies. And Jeff, you've done a wonderful job of producing those videos, BCC Faces. And I love the question of what are some of the surprising blessings or the signs of God that you've encountered in this hard time? This is a fearful time right now. This is a scary time. And we, I think, can resonate with this sense of uncertainty. And it was, it's been beautiful to hear some of your stories of how God has met you in this time. And I've heard your testimonies. I'm just wondering if we can trace that again in our experience. Where has God been that very present help to you in times of trouble? There's a a dear lady in our congregation that I've had the privilege of walking with for the last 10 years. And about two months ago, she had a really massive heart attack. And she was admitted to the hospital, but because of covid It's been hard for people to visit. And so she was alone, locked behind the walls of an ICU room. And her family couldn't get there. I wasn't able to visit as a pastor. I was playing phone tag with the doctors and nurses. And we just couldn't connect. And finally, we were able to connect over the phone. And this dear lady who has been a a testifier to the faith to me proceeded to preach the gospel to me for a half hour. I love calling her because she just preaches the gospel to me. And she was talking about how God was present with her behind those four walls in a very scary and a very lonely experience. And I think it's just helpful for us to realize that what we're reading in this text, I believe, is very much alive and real in our experience. One of the things that I will testify to is that over the last 10 years of ministry, Psalm 23 is real, my friends. (laughs) That when we walk through the dark valleys, God has been very present in the lives that I've been able to walk with and in my life. Can we trace that in our experience today as well? And so God is present with us, but then he speaks, and he speaks this beautiful word, peace be with you. Peace be with you. This word shalom, a a word of I desire completeness, wholeness, well-being for you. Now notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey guys, where were you? Right? Why did you leave me in my moment of need? He does not come with a word of shame. He does not come with a word of condemnation, but with a word of peace. And I just see some grace in that word. 
that he sees these disciples who had abandoned him, and he says, peace be with you. And maybe some of us come today haunted by our own stories of failure, by our own feelings of shame and regret, and maybe God just wants to say to some of you today, peace be with you. I speak peace over you. I desire wholeness for you. I desire what is good for you. Isn't that good news to know that God speaks peace over us? And then there's a a detail in this text that I think is so significant. Because after he says, peace be with you, it says, he showed them his hands and his side. And what I see is that he is showing us now the source of the peace he speaks over us. As he shows us his hands and sides, he's saying, look, I have come through all the things that you are most fearful of. My hands and side represent rejection and pain and loneliness and death itself. And I am now standing here saying I have come through that. And so when I say peace to you, it is not rooted in the power of positive thinking. It is rooted in the power of resurrection. I can say peace be with you, not in a way that trivializes your pain, but that transcends your pain. That yes, in this world, you may face scary things. You will face trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Look at my hands and my side. That is the source of the peace that I speak over you. You know, we've had experiences, I'm sure you've all had experience where people in their desire to comfort you will say, I know it's going to be okay. And they want to speak peace to you. And I've said those words. But the reality is sometimes the question that we're honestly saying is, how do you know? Right? And sometimes the peace we can speak can actually trivialize the depth of our pain. But the peace that Jesus speaks is, again, not rooted in this power of positive thinking. I just know it's going to be okay. Jesus knows that sometimes it's going to be really hard, but he can still speak peace. Why? Because look at his hands and side. Even if we face the things that are scary to us, Jesus is saying, your story is not over. That's not the end of the story. We have the hope of resurrection, so peace be with you. So Jesus is present with us. He speaks this word of peace and then he breathes upon the disciples and empowers them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. There is this power that he speaks over us. That he now begins to equip us to step out into mission, into these scary spaces. And isn't it good news that we are not sent out on our own strength? And I just want to say to you, that I come to you as someone that apart from the Holy Spirit cannot do a whole lot for you. (laughs) That we are never experienced enough or educated enough or have enough leaders or a nice enough building or well-resourced enough to not need the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And the hope that we have as a church seeking to be on mission together is that Jesus breathes the same Spirit upon us today and that that is our source of hope. Dallas Willard tells a great story about an experience he had growing up in the rural south. And it was the first time that electricity was brought into his neighborhood. And a lot of people, though electricity was right there in the streets, were a little bit nervous about this new power. And they were actually decided, many of them, not to tap into that power. And, and Willard uses that as an analogy for This message that Jesus says that the spirit is at hand or the kingdom of God, the reign of God is at hand, is in our midst. And yet sometimes, friends, I think we're kind of lighting candles that are burning on both ends. 
trying to fan some flames, some light. We're chopping wood, trying to get a fire going when the wind spirit of the Holy Spirit is at hand. And there's this hope for us as we seek to be on mission to know that Jesus offers us this Holy Spirit. He breathes upon us His Spirit. And that is our hope. Now there's a significant uh, allusion here back to Genesis 2 where we remember that Jesus, uh, or or God, breathed upon Adam and, and, and breathed into life creation. There's all kinds of allusions to the creation story in John 20. And what Jesus is saying is that I am now breathing in new creation. And maybe... If we want to just tap into the hope of the power that is at hand, we might actually look around this creation in this beautiful place, this beautiful part of the world, and realize that the same God who breathed this into existence, the same God who made this, now breathes a new power that seeks to mend this world. That we have hope in that. That as we see his power demonstrated, the miracle of this creation can point to the miracle and the hope, the promise of new creation. The same God who made us promises to mend us. Isn't that good news? Is this maybe stirring us awake a little bit out of the paralysis, out of the fear that causes us to lose sight of our freedom? May this perhaps help us find our wings again as we seek to be freed from the gaze of the snake. Now, I'd be tempting to end the sermon there and to have like a just kind of a come to Jesus moment. And, and some of us actually maybe just need to pause there and realize that there's some good news for us personally. But the story goes on to say that as we encounter this good news, we are then now empowered and commissioned to go out. I, we are sent now just as the Father has sent Jesus. Because you see, Jesus looks upon a world outside of these walls of many other people who are caught in the gaze of the snake, paralyzed by fear, overwhelmed by shame. And we have been commissioned to be the conduits or the spokespeople or the ambassadors of this message of hope. Like Carlos Valles, we are called to stir the world awake so that new creation might break in into this world, that people might encounter forgiveness and hope. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't begin there? He didn't see these disciples and say, hey, it's time to get out there. They actually needed some work done in their own souls first, right? They needed to be reconciled with God. They needed to tap into the Spirit. And so formation actually is this foundation that equips us to then actually be a light in this world. It's a both-and thing. We need to gather. We need to be formed. We need to encounter the Spirit. But it's not just for us. It is so that we might be sent out. And we're sent out in a specific way, just as the Father sent me, Jesus says, I am sending you. So our capacity to stir the world awake, to bring good news of forgiveness, requires us to be formed in the way of Jesus. That is now our pattern, our model for what it means to be sent. And I think this gives us so much guidance as we seek to to step out into a culture that is often resistant to our claims or doesn't maybe see Christianity as a positive cultural force. That's the Pacific Northwest culture right now. And maybe you felt that resistance. And you've maybe seen models of cultural engagement that haven't worked well, and so we feel kind of reluctant to step out into the world. And I think Jesus shows us what it looks like to do that. We are sent how? Just as Jesus was sent. That is our model. And how was Jesus sent? He did not come in with power. 
He did not come trying to coerce or force people into the kingdom. No, he came to woo them into the kingdom through love and sacrifice. As you're studying Philippians, he took on the very nature of a servant. Friends, that is our model to go into the world, to live a life of such radical love and compassion that people can't imagine the world without us. That's what it means to be sent as Jesus is sent, coming in as servants, coming in loving those people in our workplaces, in our community, because Jesus desires that they too would be set free from fear, that they too would encounter his presence, that they too would hear this word of shalom, that they too would be empowered by his spirit. So as we seek to be a healthy missional church Isn't this good news that there is a God who meets us in our weakness and our fear, and he equips us and forms us for the good of the world? And I believe that we have hope because 2,000 years ago, Jesus broke into a room with a group of men and women who were not very educated. They had very little resources, and they were filled with fear. And he used them to change the world to stir this world awake, and we are the beneficiaries of their courage because the message was passed on to us, and now we are handed that same calling, given that same spirit to now go out and be sent just as the Father has sent Christ. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this hope that though we step into a scary world and we feel at times the limitations, the paralysis of our own failures, the pain, the discomfort that we encounter outside in a broken and scary world, you are with us. And you offer us hope, and you offer us your spirit. So I pray that you would continue to stir us awake to that reality, that we might indeed find our wings again, and find our freedom, that we might proclaim good news to those that you love dearly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.